you guys, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We are in Psalm 37 this morning. And I'm reading the scriptures this morning. Psalm 37, and I'm reading verses 1 through 6. I'm not reading the whole psalm, by the way. This is what uh, Cody's going to be speaking on this morning. Psalm 37, reading out of the NASB. It reads this, a psalm of David. Starting in verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it, and he will bring forth your righteousness as the light. Would you bow with me? I'm just going to pray for Cody as he comes and brings God's word. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you in advance for your faithfulness. Lord, we know that even when we are faithless, you are constantly faithful. And as Cody comes and shares your word today, we would ask that the Holy Spirit would fill him and guide him into speaking to us this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to hear. So often we can listen, but not really hear. Help us to understand. Help us to apply your word this morning as well. And God, I pray that you would unite us in your love. For we give you all praise, and we thank you for our time together in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so um, I don't know about you, but like this week has been a really weird week. Remember I sat down on Monday to kind of pray and process like what to share. And as I was like, I don't know if it takes, for me it takes a while to kind of get going. So I'm like kind of flipping through my phone, seeing what's going on in the world today. And I started getting really mad, like just angry. I don't know what it is, frustrated, anxious. Um, just seeing like, there's like so much suffering. There's so much division. There's so much, it just, it's evil, man. And I was just getting so upset and I was like, Trying to be like, Lord, what am I going to bring this week? And then I'm like, this world, ah, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> and it wasn't even about, yeah, it was just this frustration, man. Yeah, dude. He's, I'm with you, buddy. And the Lord reminded me in that moment of this psalm, which is one of my favorite psalms. I, I've read it many, many times, but it was one of those times where I'm like, this is for me. So you guys are just along for the ride. But I, I know that God's good and he's going to speak to you as well. But this is really something that I need to hear. And it was a good reminder. And so with that, um, yeah, we can kind of get in. The idea with this psalm is really David's writing to whoever it is. But he's writing to these people that are, I feel, in the same space, right? It, that are frustrated with evil, with suffering around. There's this aspect where you see almost have this picture of this person sitting here looking out maybe out of his window and seeing somebody that he knows is evil walking by and he just is having this time of his life and he's like, what about that guy? Like, why is it happening to him, you know? Um, but with this whole idea, my encouragement is that we're reminded that re- regardless of what's going on, like God is still good. And it doesn't always seem that way, but he is. And he is in control. Like he is not absent from 
our lives, from the world around us. Um, and that although you know, evil and suffering and everything still exists, um, God does have a plan. And one day Jesus is going to accomplish the, the finished work. And it's going to be done away with. Because really, if you think about it, we, what do we want, right? We want, we want evil to stop. We want suffering to end. We want our desires to be met. We want our plans to work out. We want evil in this world to be over. We want heaven, really, right? We want this restored kingdom that God is promised he's going to do. We want it, the brokenness of this world to end. But since it hasn't, since Jesus hasn't come back, since he hasn't made all things right again, made all things new, how are we to live in this dark space? Really, there's darkness all around us. Like, How do we function in a way that brings health and essentially how do we shine right, in the darkness? And so I want to spend some time looking at this psalm because I, I, I love how it brings us to that space. And so with that, I'm going to pray and then I'll get into it. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to see you even in Psalms where it was written long before you walked the earth, but God ultimately points us to you. God, we want to, as followers of you, we really do want to shine in this dark world, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. And so we ask that as we look at this text that you would speak to us, and that God, Holy Spirit, you would um, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have. But let me communicate your heart in an accurate way. And so we lift this time up to you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it starts off, as Derek read, David's writing this, King David. And he says, fret not. I'm reading from the ESV. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. And be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And so he starts with the idea of fret. Fret means be angry, right? Or be consumed with worry. As this person he's writing is like looking out and seeing this, they're getting frustrated, they're getting angry, right? But also he says, do not be envious of, of evils of, of iniquity or evildoers. Do not be envious. So envy is this idea of being jealous of another person or looking at them and like, I, why not me, right? Like, it's almost like, why not me? This person's doing terrible things and yet they're prospering. And I, there's this discontentment. I want that. Why is God blessing them and not me? So in one way you have, and this, I think the envy can be a couple different ways. Like when we suffer, we're like, why me and not them? And when somebody else is successful, someone says, why them and not me? Both of them are the same, we're in the same space, and that is that ultimately we're, we're disappointed with God, right? We could be in a spot where we go, you know, like, what's the point, right? I follow God, and I do all these things, and yet I have pain, and I have frustration, and they're doing great, and they're not even phased by it, but I'm, or maybe you're watching everything go down, and like, God, how, how can you be in that? But like I said, Dave's writing this person and, and the frustration that they're experiencing ultimately is with God. And that's our frustration. If, 
we're not content with what God has. We're not content in this space. We're not, we don't believe at times, I'm not being like explicit, like this might be going on in our heart where you're watching and going like, God's not dealing with this in the right way. He's not dealing with evil in the right way. I know better, right? That's kind of the heart behind it. But also there's this aspect where, maybe there's a thing where, and I see this a lot growing up in the church, this idea that God owes me, right? I've done all this for you, God, you owe me. Maybe we've made God a means to the end. Whatever the case may be, it's easy, especially when we look in this world and we live in the temporal and physical world, to look out and see all this stuff and, and find that more important than what the eternal is or what the spiritual is. It doesn't seem to have the same weight sometimes as we look around the world and as we're experiencing things. And so David is reminding this this person, this group of people, that, that it is temporal, right? He said, listen, it's going to fade. It's going to wither. And that at the end of the day, the eternal and the spiritual has far more weight and far more importance than, than this stuff. It doesn't make it any easier. So then he's going to transition into these three verses of how are we to respond in a healthy way. And I love this. So he first off, he starts with verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. This little verse right here is unbelievably rich. So he starts with this idea of trusting the Lord. Now, you have to keep in mind that some of this language that David's using right now is coming from a shepherd, right? David was a shepherd. He ended up shepherding Israel. And so some of this this language, you have this picture that this shepherd is writing to these people and he's saying, listen, trust your shepherd, right? The idea of dwelling in the land And the word befriend faithfulness or cultivate faithfulness, a better way to, I guess some of it say, is graze on God's faithfulness. It's really this picture of these sheep following the shepherd, dwelling where he brought them, feeding where he he brought them to feed, trusting that he has their best in mind. And so he starts off with this idea of trust the Lord, trust the shepherd. But what does that look like? We see three main things that he busts out here. First off, he says, do good. If you think about it, that is an aspect of trusting God, right? God's definition of good. We go, hey, God said this is the best way to live. This is what I, I believe it brings the most flourishing for human beings. And when we do that, we're trusting God. And so because I think if anything, like sometimes there's this idea of like why try? Like what's the point of it, right? But he's saying, no, keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. Do good. Trust me. I have a plan. This is what I've declared to be as best. I've designed it this way, trust me. Trusting God essentially in how we live. And then he says another thing. He says, do good, dwell in the land. Dwelling in the land. I have this picture in my mind of this idea of a sheep laying down and resting in a pasture. That's kind of what I have. This idea of abiding. This the word that kind of that is in my mind is this idea of remain, right? This idea that the shepherd has brought you, brought me to this space, and there's this idea of remaining where he's brought us. And with that, I think it's, I don't know if you're like me, but at times when I'm experiencing frustration or I'm struggling or I'm looking out, my mindset 
can be often to escape, right? Or I want to get out of this situation. I want to go to a different place that, that I believe kind of the, the, I would say a lot of times, the lie that a different place or a different person or a different possession or a different position will actually heal, satisfy, um, numb, whatever, right? When I was doing college ministry years ago, there was one thing I would always talk about, the idea of the when and then. I'd get it all the time. When... I meet this person, when I get to this place, when I finish school, when I, then, then I'm going to really, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And so often, the then never comes, because there's always a different when. Well, when now it's when I, you know, whatever, like in college, it's like, when they finish school, or when they get their career, or when they get married, or when they start having kids, or then it's like when they retire, and then it's like, well, when I get the RV, or then it was, when I get out, of the, you know, and then it's like, before you know it, you're like, where's life gone, Right? And so the shepherd is really this saying, like this idea of dwell, dwell in the land. Dwell wherever I remain in this space. And really that is trusting God. It's trusting God in where I'm at. That he is not absent from this space, that he, he brought me here intentionally, that his plans aren't thwarted, and that he is working on me in this, in this space that I'm at. And then it says, and befriend faithfulness. This word is all over the place. If you were to like research it, read it, whatever. Um, befriend, it could also mean feed, find safe pasture. It is a shepherding term. The faithfulness there is actually talking about God's faithfulness. And so we have this idea of feeding on God's faithfulness. It's such a vivid picture of feeding on God's faithfulness, grazing, finding nourishment, being satisfied in God's faithfulness. Because he's brought us to this space, right? And he's wanting us to feed. And you see this picture of the shepherd bringing the sheep to the safest place, the best place, the place with the most pasture. He knows what he's doing, and he's bringing us to this space. Because at the end of the day, when I am hungry, when I'm dissatisfied, when I'm longing to graze on something else, God's heart is almost to say to us, you have me, right? You don't need that, you have me. Like, his faithfulness and his goodness is what I have that's even more satisfying and more good than anything else that this world essentially can offer. And so it's like, Am I finding my nourishment? God's like, find your nourishment and your satisfaction and your, all that, your satiation, like all of that from what I'm providing, from who I am and what I'm providing. And that too is trusting God. It's trusting God in what I have, right? So, so we're trusting God in how I live, we're trusting God in where I'm at, and we're trusting God in what I have. And that's the first main thing that David is sharing with these people that are struggling with envy and frustration of the world around them. And then he moves into verse 4, which you've probably read it on coffee mugs and calendars. If you've grown anywhere up in the Christian world, bookstores, do you even have Christian bookstores anymore? This would be in it, guarantee it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? Probably seen at football games. 
So David goes from um, this idea of circumstances to the heart, right? So we're looking out, this is your situation, now he's getting into the internal, the heart, and he's talking about delight. Um, It's often easy to try and numb or escape by looking to things that bring us enjoyment or pleasure. Like, not rocket science, right? These things like this, I find a lot of relief here. This is really enjoyable. It's helped me to forget, not think about whatever. But here's what's interesting, that we see this text, David attaches our delight to in our desire. That what we enjoy, what we delight in, what we glory in, affects what we want, right? What we desire. And so typically what ends up happening is we end up pursuing these things, running after these things, making sacrifices for things that we delight in, and they affect our desires, which I, I don't think anybody's like, no. We can see how those connect. But what's interesting is that I, my brain typically goes to the space of like, this is a worship aspect, right? Because often in the spiritual aspect, our delight shifts from the goodness and glory of God to something else, and our desires follow. And so we find ourselves pursuing things other than the Lord, or what he can offer, what he satisfies, these other things, because those we believe will provide comfort, provide satisfaction, whatever it may be. But here's what's interesting about this verse. The word delight is, when I, when I kind of stumbled upon this, it's really fascinating. It means to be tender, to be delicate, to be soft, pliable. And when you read it in that way, I think it really opens, I don't know, it becomes more rich, right? Because this idea that I'm longing, I'm desiring something so much that it's softening, that it's making me pliable, that it's that is making me more um, delicate. And I think that even if we look at our own maybe experiences and maybe relationships we have had or people that we care for, the more that we delight in them, the more that we become soft or pliable or, or willing to you know, comply or whatever it may be. Like we want them. We want to please them. We want to make them happy. Like we want to, does that make sense? Right, so we're becoming soft to that. And it says that as we do this, delighting in the Lord, right, as we're becoming, delighting him, we're becoming soft, we're becoming pliable, it says that he gives us the desires of our heart. Just as anybody that's been in any interaction with human beings that we have affection for or care for or whatever, typically as we delight in them, we begin to want what they want. We begin to desire things that they desire. Our desires even change. And so we see it's almost this idea, and this is where I feel like the verse has been taken out of context so often. What I you know, heard growing up was this idea that if you delight in God, he gives you what you want. But the verse is probably closer, more translated or more accurate is this idea of if you delight, your, delight yourself in the Lord, you, you want what you get. That God actually changes your desires. I think anybody that's been following Jesus for any significant amount of time knows that as we follow the Lord, our desires change. Things that we thought we had to have is no longer the case. And some of the things that we want 
might be the most difficult, hardest, gnarliest thing because we know that's what God wants. And if you'd have told us five years ago, I don't even want anything to do with that, you find yourself, as we've delighted in the Lord, we've become pliable, soft, delicate, and he's changed us. So we actually want what he gives us. And so the the text is literally, he is giving us desires, right? He'll give you the desires of heart. He's giving us, he's placing desires. And that's one of the things I absolutely love. Going back to my college ministry days, so often I'd have the question, well, what do I do? What's God's will for my life? And somebody that I know has been following Jesus, often I'd ask him, well, what do you want to do? What's your desire? Because I believe that God uses our desires as we're seeking him. He uses our desires so that, and I say move in that space, especially if it's not an area of like rebellion or whatever else. Like, yeah, God may have given you that desire to pursue that because I know you've been delighting in him. You know, I grew up from a, a church back where often it was almost like the things of God were things that we didn't want. Like, oh, that's, that's too much fun. That's too awesome. That can't be the Lord. He wants us to suffer and be miserable and poor and everything. Like, what? No. Like, sometimes God gives us things where we're like, this is awesome. I want to do this. I love this. This is exciting. God can give us that, right? It doesn't always have to be miserable following Jesus. And so we have this idea that God's giving us new desires. And then he leads to this kind of last exhortation, verse 5. He says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. And so we have this, so this person sitting here, they're looking around, world's jacked, they're getting frustrated. He's saying, listen, where you're at circumstantially, like dwell, remain, feed, enjoy me, right? And then he moves into space like, well, how's your heart delight? What are you delighting in? What are you desiring? Let me work on that. And then he goes, listen, I know you're worried about the future too, right? Your way, your plan, what's coming down the road. This is this space that I don't do well in because I want to have a plan. I don't want to be surprised. I want to be ready. I, I want to be prepared. I don't want anybody to sneak up on me on this. I don't want the world to fall apart and I wasn't prepared. That's like my greatest fear because for me, it's control, right? I don't want to be out of control. I don't want somebody else to control me. So I am thinking ahead, trying to go like, well, how can I prepare? How can I navigate this? You know, whatever, economy, everything's going nuts. I got five cars on my lot. How is this going to work out, right? And the shepherd is saying, commit your way to me and trust me. Now, this word commit is fascinating. It means literally to roll over. So we have this picture of a servant or somebody carrying a weight, and they commit it to another person to carry for them. They roll over the burden that they're carrying on to someone else. That's what the word means. So we see the shepherd saying, roll over the burden that you're carrying onto me and let me carry it. But not just that, he says, and trust him, right? Commit your way to the Lord and trust him, which is, I think, absolutely hilarious because David knows he's writing to human beings, right? We roll it, yes, Lord, it's yours. But let me help you in this area, and then I'm gonna just balance it out right here. Let me just keep this one thing, because this is mine, man, and, and let me do it here. But it's like this idea of rolling over and then like literally going, 
trust you. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my plan. I trust you with my way. I trust you. That's scary, right? I trust you. And what I think is just the summation of this section of the text is what comes next. It says he'll bring it to pass. What does he bring to pass? He says he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Obviously for us as humans, we want those things I talked about, evil to end and suffering to stop and we want our plans to work out. We want everything to be happy and we want to get what we, we, our desires met. We want all that. But God's desire is to do a work in us so that we shine, right? He uses two words, righteousness as the light and justice as noonday, the brightest part of the day. That God's desire is that we shine in this dark world and that he's going to do whatever is necessary to bring this to pass. And this verse reminded me of Romans chapter 8, which is another verse that's on a lot of coffee cups. Verse 28, it says, And now we know... How many of you have heard this one before? That for those who love God, all things work together, right? All things work together for the good, for those that are called according to his purpose. And that's usually where the verse stops, but I like how it keeps going. He goes, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God is working all things for the good so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. God is working... He's bringing our way to pass so that we can shine, so that we can be made more like the true light of the world, Jesus. That is God's heart. That is what he's trying to accomplish in us. And so it may not be the desire that we think we want, but as the Lord makes us more like Jesus, we'll get to this space where we'll be like, look up and be like, man, this is exactly what I want. This is awesome. I wouldn't, couldn't imagine my world any other way. As crazy as that sounds at times. He's going to bring it to pass. And so we have this picture. As we trust in the Lord, he opens our eyes to see that um, where we're at and what we need, we can find satisfaction in him in those spaces. And that as we delight in him, he changes our desires and gives us new desires. And as we commit our way to him, he brings to pass our future, ultimately, that we're made more like Jesus. And so... I want to close in this last part in this idea that what about Jesus, right? Because he's, like I said, he's the true light of the world. He's a light in the darkness. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus, he says that he is our, our intercessor because he can relate with us. He can, in every way that we've suffered, any way we've been tempted, he too has experienced that. And this text is no different. He saw the evil. He saw the brokenness in the world. And he too Rather than escape, he entered into this world, becoming a human being, and he experienced suffering so that the wicked might experience true life and the forgiveness of sin. We don't have to fret because Jesus conquered evil and one day he's going to judge it. Jesus also had to trust his Father in the midst of suffering and be faithful and obedient. I mean, he said, Lord, not my will, but your, be, your will be done. 
And when the temptation to leave or escape or have a different way came up, especially when it came to the cross, he too dwelt. He remained on the cross. Even amongst the mocking, like take yourself down. He could have at any moment, but he remained. He dwelt where God had him. So we have a shepherd that we can trust because he himself remained and gave himself up for us, the sheep. Jesus also delighted in the Lord and he gave him the desires of the heart. And that's us. I mean, if you, one of his final prayers in John chapter 17, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. We can delight in him because he first delighted in us. But lastly, Jesus too had a heavy burden to carry, the, the burden of the cross, the burden of the sins of the world, the burden of living this perfect life, the burden of dying for us. But unlike us, he didn't roll that burden onto anybody else. He carried it. And it crushed him. But obviously the good news is he wouldn't stay crushed, but he rose again on that third day so that we could have life, so that we could be with him. And now he asks us to give us our burdens so that he could carry them. And in return, as it says in Matthew chapter 11, he wants to give us rest. We can trust him with our burdens because he's already carried them for us. So with that, I'm just going to close in prayer and um, just have a time of reflecting on, on God's goodness and maybe things that he's wanting us to roll over on him and let him carry. Maybe it's the things that we're desiring, delighting, that we want to we see, Lord, is this your desire for me? Maybe it's the idea of not fretting and, and just letting the Lord take that from us as we trust him more. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, you can also come up here in communion and take the bread, dip it in the juice, reflect on him there as well. As his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, we can come to the table, we can celebrate what he's done as he told us to do that in remembrance of him. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. Lord, let us um, work in us, Lord, a heart that we can trust you more, that we can dwell where you brought us, Lord. We can feed on your faithfulness, Lord. Help us, our delight to be found in you, God, more and more. And we ask that that, Lord, the areas that we're carrying, the areas that are producing anxiety or frustration or whatever else, Lord, show us those so we can roll those to you and let you carry them so that we can shine, God. We thank you that you're not done with us individually, that you're not done in this world, and that your desire is to um, one day restore it and make all things new. But until that time, God, use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.